If this is your acquisition cost, Facebook becomes a no-brainer because you can test things quickly. You can get very quick validation of what kind of leads you are getting, how you engage in them. The only barrier is that lots of people simply don't know how to use it or they have a fear of unknown. This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Dimitri Krugliak. Dimitri is an expert at Facebook marketing, and he'll be teaching us how to use Facebook and why it's the best marketing platform out there right now. He'll give us several key tips on what we should be doing to get more leads with less money. If you like this episode, be sure to leave a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast to automatically get updated on all of the latest episodes. Enjoy. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and why we should listen to you. Thanks for having me, Sean. Uh, my name is Dimitri Krugliak. Uh, I have a marketing agency focused specifically on Facebook advertising. And within that, focused specifically on real estate. And within that, focused on real estate investment. I have been in digital marketing for 20-something years in different incarnation, doing a bunch of different things. Uh, I came to Silicon Valley back in the original dot-com bubble, so I have a lot of stories to tell from back from then as well. So and over time, I have done different things, and uh, Facebook right now is all the range for marketing. And real estate uh, has a really, really simple business case for advertising, right? So you, uh, you generate leads, these are high-value leads. You turn them into opportunity. You close some. You make a lot of money. Sounds good. So let's start with the most obvious question. What makes Facebook so special, especially compared to other forms of advertising, like using other online platforms or using traditional marketing techniques such as mail or cold-calling people? Great question. So first of all, the main thing about Facebook, everybody is on Facebook. It is ubiquitous, right? So everybody is on Facebook. Facebook knows who we are. Facebook knows what we want. Facebook knows what we're in the market for. Even though there are all those privacy issues, what they are trying to you know, not disclose and all that, they, all have, they have all this data under the hood and they use it on behalf of advertisers, right? So they're just not going to give it to you directly, but they know who is in market for what. And if you put together the fact that everybody is there and Facebook knows who they are, and you can reach them there in a very, very trusted uh, and low friction environment where you can capture their leads, their lead information, where you can pass uh, them into CRM, where you can engage them with video and a bunch of other good ways. It becomes a trusted environment to acquire just exact people that you want. So it's really incomparable to all other mediums, right? So so you can't really engage people with direct mail, right? Just just have to hope that they're going to call you. And most of them don't, right? So uh, here's the thing to consider. What lots of people do not do, that they're using other channels, which they should be doing, is doing the actual math, right? So how much are we spending on this direct mail campaign? How many pieces we are mailing, right? So what is our response rate? What is our cost per call, right? And what is the conversion rate on those calls into offers made on a house and the deals, right? And what is your cost per offer? And what is your cost per deal, 
right? And only then it is easy to see how much waste is in the current marketing that, that most people are using. It is just it is just absurd. I was just talking to somebody who did this math and I said that the, the, for them the cost to acquire for them the cost to acquire a deal uh, for, uh, for 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 investment for flipping is around 17 grand, right? But really, what this means is. If this is your acquisition cost, it's, it's Facebook becomes a no-brainer because you can test things quickly. You can uh, you can get very quick validation of what kind of leads you are getting, how you engage in them. The only barrier is that lots of people simply don't know how to use it, or they have a fear of unknown, right? But when you look at the numbers, how much it costs to acquire a deal, right, and how much the marketing can be scaled on Facebook it really becomes a very logically easy decision. Yeah, I think with $18,000 with direct mail, if you spend $18,000 on an online campaign for Facebook, you probably get more than one deal. That's the whole thing, right? So the, the averages are going to be different based on how you target, based on how you engage, based on et cetera, et cetera. But the thing is with Facebook, you always get early indication of what's happening. With direct mail, you you do a big drop and you wait. Are you getting responses? Are you not getting responses? With with Facebook, a lot of feedback is immediate. A lot of revisions are immediate, and also as you do Facebook marketing, new opportunities just come up. That's one of the most beautiful things. Yeah, exactly. So let's go ahead and talk about the marketing strategy. If I wanted to get leads for let's say rehabbed homes or homes that need to be repaired here in the Bay Area, what what do I do? So first of all, I would encourage you to step back a little bit and think about your marketing end to end, right? Because lots of people who do other types of marketing and even Facebook marketing, they're not really thinking about the entire customer journey, right? But think about all the stages a prospect goes from being an unknown contact on Facebook or on your mailing list or wherever to selling the house. Let's let's go through the stages, right? So, so first of all, uh, they are cold contact, right? So whether they are just a person on Facebook or a name you buy somewhere or whatever, right? The next stage is you need to put a piece of content in front of them to make them take a first action, right? It could be a low commitment action, just put, could put something like how much is your house is worth, right? For example, or from an investor perspective, well, how much your house is worth wouldn't be nice to sell it right away, right? Or if you're not going for this angle, are you a homeowner, uh, facing some kind of a financial difficulty. Not all of those type of people would want to sell a house right away. And the ones that don't, you can get them on other offers perhaps, but you would, but those leads would be cheaper and you would filter out the ones who uh, would be interested in selling and take them to the next step, right? So, so, so what I just described, it's called the marketing qualified lead. It's just a contact. It's not even a lead. So lots of people would call those leads. I don't call them leads because they have taken no action whatsoever. They're just like a name in a phone book. When somebody opts in, let's say for a PDF guide, uh, how can I save my house for, from a foreclosure? And chances are you're going to buy their house at the end, right? So, but let's say they took an action. They just showed their intent. They showed some intent that they're interested in the subject. Now you captured that contact information. You want to start following up with them. How do you follow up with them? You capture their contact information. You send them that guide. 
you put them on email sequence, you put them on SMS sequence, you call them, right? But calling a marketing qualified lead, it's completely different than calling a cold lead. You're calling a cold lead, you have no idea who they are, what they want, why would they want to talk to you, right? You're calling a marketing qualified lead, you say, you opted in for this thing. Is it helping you? What else do you need, right? Let's talk about the actual issues you're facing, right? A bunch of people would not engage in this, right? They just they just went on Facebook, they click something, they got the thing that they wanted, they just ignore it, right? But the ones that start talking to you, that is what I called a sales qualified lead, right? So they're responsive. You're gonna have a conversation with them about their need. And by the fact that they're devoting the time, this means they actually have a problem worth solving, right? So now as we're moving through the pipeline, let's look, what is the cost of marketing qualified lead? Then what is the cost of sales qualified lead? Now now that we're looking at sales qualified lead, what we are working on is how good is our sales script and our offers, right? So if you want to buy their house, right? So we need to give them the reasons why they should sell, why they should uh, sell to us. We have to look at the property, inspect, pre-inspect. So to the point where we are going to make an offer and not all of the sales qualified leads going to get to that point but let's say we are giving them an offer right so now that's the next stage in the customer journey it's the offer right and we have cost per marketing qualified lead per sales qualified lead now we can look at the cost per offer right and then certain percentage of them are going to go into contract certain percentage of them are going to close what i just outlined it's a sales and marketing process that has certain steps now to get your cost per acquisition down, you need to optimize each of those steps separately and then the entire journey together, right? So we, let's say let's say we're just, we just starting a new project, we're just generating the new leads, right? The only thing we can look at initially just what kind of MQLs we're getting, marketing qualified leads, are we getting enough of them that we can talk to them? We are seeing at which rate they're getting to the next stage. Once we have enough sales qualified leads, now we know what we, are talking with them about, we know what kind of issues uh, the leads we're generating, we are having with this particular targeting, with this particular creative. And already here, we can take some of this feedback on what kind of sales conversations we are having and take them back and revise the ads. For example, we are hitting people who own homes in certain range, in certain value range, and we want to be targeting a different value range, or we want to be targeting a different type of an issue they're having because of which they would sell, right? So we are continuing to iterate. And the beauty of it, we can do a lot of those iterations before we spend the full amount that we would have to spend on a direct mail campaign before we have any idea at all what we are doing. So rapid iteration, this is one of the big benefits of Facebook, right? So, and again, the, the, the real, real big insight is you take your insight from further stages of the customer journey, when we get them on the phone, when we give them offers, when we get them under contract, right? And then take this insight and bubble it up to the front end, to the ads, to make sure we're generating exactly the kind of people who are going to convert that we're gonna close on. That's really the name of the game in Facebook advertising. And that's also what a lot of people do not understand, right? There are lots of people who have misconceptions about Facebook, right? I just, they, they think about it as direct mail. I spend some money, I get a result. Well, you get the result if you actually think through those steps and you optimize them properly, right? So, so there are lots of people who say Facebook ads work for us and lots of people who would say Facebook ads do not work for us. And when you start talking to people who said they don't work, 
you typically find that they haven't done one of those things that I described, right? And this is this this process, these issues, they are applicable to every industry, every type of business, right? So not just not just uh, not just investment, but for real estate investors, there is just so much room to work with, given how much value is the deal and what are the state of the art uh, acquisition costs throughout through other channels. It's really a no brainer. Right. I mean, typically the real estate industry is relatively outdated compared to the rest of society who we are still sending out mailers. Very few industries actually do that still. Some could argue that real estate industry is outdated. I would say that real estate investment industry is more outdated than, let's say, realtors or lenders, right? Because there is a lot less liquidity I would say in, in in investment part of business versus others, right? And uh, there are lots of marketers who are calling on realtors and loan officers, but there are much fewer who actually serve in investors because you actually need to understand more to work in this market properly. And it's harder to find a lot of investors, right? With realtors, there is a directory of them everywhere, right? Right. So so they get lots of those guys are getting. 10 calls per week from marketers and they all sound the same, right? And with investors, most investors are not getting as many calls, right? Because they're not as easy to find. Yeah, that's true. So before we go on, I want to go back and just summarize everything you said so that we're all kind of on track. So the first thing you want to do is maybe brainstorm your ideal customer's journey. Exactly. And then, you know, you want to create a good reason for them to even opt in. So you say, hey, my customer is maybe someone who is going to be foreclosed on. Maybe I'll write a quick uh, PDF guide on what to do if you're being foreclosed on and what are your potential outs. Yep. Then when they raise their hand, they say, yes, I want this pamphlet. You know, hey, this guy is potentially going through foreclosure. They are now a quote qualified lead and you just follow up with them until completion. And that completion can be either they say, go away or they say, yeah, I'm willing to sell my house to you. Exactly, exactly. Here's something I also want to emphasize. In the earliest stages in the customer journey, the wider we cast our net, the more leads we're going to get and the cheaper those leads are going to be, right? So if we're going to run the ads just saying, sell us our house today, right? Those leads are going to be expensive. It's like asking for too much on the first date. It's just the expectation should not be there that this is going to happen. It could, right? But those leads are going to be expensive. And because the leads are going to be more expensive, it is going to be harder for Facebook to optimize those campaigns properly. Facebook needs to have a certain number of conversion events to properly optimize. So what I always recommend, cast the net as wide as possible, catch in anybody who might potentially have any type of interest, even tangential in what you're doing, and then qualify them with follow-up, with content, and take the ones that bubble up and actually take action, get them on the phone, and go from there. Because sometimes people get really particular. I want just this thing. I just want just this type of house, just people who want to sell right now for investors or for realtors, lots of them. I just want listings of houses above this certain range, right? And when you try to target those people, the leads are expensive. It's hard to optimize for Facebook unless you're spending a lot more money. And if you cannot optimize, the leads get more expensive, right? So, so that, right. And, that, and, that's, and that's the problem, right? So the recommendation, go to the as lowest common denominator as possible and ideally have some additional offers you can get in front of those people other than selling their house. Because maybe if they're not going to sell, maybe they're going to refinance, right? Or maybe they're going to do something else, right? So let's talk about optimizing your, your advertisement. 
So that's going back, making your maybe pictures better or your copy better. So what are you doing to determine whether or not this is a better ad? Right. So, so again, when I just described all the steps in the customer journey, right, I described the steps, the stages, and I described that, discussed that each of those stages has a cost of getting to that stage. Cost per marketing qualified lead, cost per sales qualified lead, cost per offer, contract, and close, right? So what you would like to do ideally, right, is to just go look at your closes and optimize to close right away. But in practice, you cannot do this, right? So this means you optimize by looking at each of those steps separately, right? First thing you wanna get down is the cost of marketing qualified lead, right? So we need better headlines, we need better pictures, we need to be testing lots of options, we can test them quickly side by side, and we can see what is getting us the opt-ins, right? So the ads that are not getting us a lot of opt-ins quickly, we can cut them right away, right? Because we know that to check whether this ad's gonna work, we're gonna need to get enough of MQLs to figure out how they turn in SQLs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's going to be tough, right? So we're going we're gonna to first focus on uh, basic engagement metrics, right? Right. So in the cost per lead. Once you have enough of those leads coming in, then we're going to look, start looking at different ad sources, different, uh, different targeting sources, different creatives, and see, okay, now we are getting those leads. Now what is the quality of those leads? What percentage of them become sales qualified leads that we can get on the phone and have intelligent conversation with, right? So once we collect enough data, we can compare several campaigns, right? And they had to survive the cutoff or uh, is there is any engagement at all, right? And now we can say, you know, with this creative, we are getting our MQLs maybe a bit more expensive, but gee, these people really get on the phone and we can talk to them about their problem, right? So at this point, maybe we're gonna cut an ad which which has lower cost per MQL, but we're gonna keep it because we know we get people who are truly motivated, they have intent, right? So, uh, and, uh, and let me give you an example of an ad that's gonna get a lot of engagement uh, but it's going to be completely useless, right? Just just picture an ad with a headline. Uh, Did your mom just die? Oh God! Yeah, right. I'm just. But but that's that's extreme example of something that's going to get people's attention. They're going to click. They might opt in, but they have absolutely no commercial intent. Make sense? Yeah. Makes so sense. when we so when we are designing the copy to engage people, right? On one hand, we need to be thinking of things that are catchy that's going to get them. Uh, that's going to get them engaged, that's going to get cheap cost per lead. But on the other hand, you got to watch out for those gimmick and gimmicks and keep asking a question. Are, are we going to get the wrong kinds of people because we are setting expectations the wrong way, right? As long as we are not doing something like what I just described, as long as we are keeping them neutral on, on other things, right? We are not incentivizing the lead. For example, put in your name to win something, right? If you do this, those type of people, sweepstakes type of people, and and sell your house type of people, those are going to be completely different, right? But you can get a lot of leads by 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 gimmicks like this. So you want to avoid the gimmicks and make sure your offer is aligned with what you want to happen further down in the customer journey, right? So that's the baseline. But once and once you have multiple ad types on the front end, you're going to keep watching your metrics. So what is the cost per sales qualified lead? What percentage of them turn into offers? What percentage of them turn into contract, et cetera, et cetera. And as you collect more data, you keep refining, right? So, so you cannot jump all the way to the end of the process and expect that what you typically spend 
10 to 20 grand for to get optimized right away, right? Because if you're optimizing for an event that costs, let's say 10 grand, right? And let's say you need a hundred of those events to really know what's going on, you see how much you have to spend, right? So, so typically you're not gonna be optimizing so for the later stage in the customer journey directly, but you're gonna be optimizing for earlier stages and then just kind of adjust as you go. And this is typically enough, right? Because what happens in the sales process is typically out of the hands of what you can control on the front end, though you can still take some insight, for example, or gee, somebody wants to sell because they have high medical bills and their home is in huge disrepair and they do not want to deal with repairing it, right? So if we are seeing that those conversations consistently come up as we get them on the phone, then we could revise the copy to target specifically to those type of people. And when I say target, does not mean we're gonna we're gonna target them with Facebook targeting. We're gonna target them by creative, by ad copy, and then Facebook is gonna find who is responding to this. So at the end of the day, this is iteration. And also different type of investors, they have a different sweet spot, right? So different type of deals they want. So depending on what you want at the end, you can pretty much write down your ideal uh, customer uh, requirements, right? Your, your, your ideal customer profile and then work backwards. Let's get into their head and let's think about what, what is going through their head and how do you connect with them? Well, uh, let me also just throw another way, good way of thinking about this. Everybody have watched the Inception movie, right? Great but, movie. Right, see, you definitely watched it, right? But there is, a, there is a scene when they are planning how they're going to do the Inception, right? How they're going to get into the brain of this gentleman through three levels and how they're going to give him an idea that they want to take hold uh, and act upon it. How is this different from sales? It is not. It is, it is sales 101, right? So it's basically, so basically you are getting in the mind of your prospects. You're thinking of what kind of issues they're dealing with. You're thinking of what kind of messages they're gonna respond, how. And then we work backwards to give them a sequence of pieces of content, which means the ads, which means the email follow-up, which means phone scripts, which means the offers, so that they feel comfortable. They move from one step to the next, right? And they feel that it is their decision to do this, right? We are guiding them through the path that we decide, but we want them to feel that this is their idea. This is their decision. We are doing inception, right? So, so, so when you are thinking about the customer journey, I would just say, think of inception. I, I love yeah. this movie, but it really explains what we are doing with, with sales, right? And a lot of, a lot of salespeople uh, who do, you know, direct sales, they rely on personal contact, they just rely on their charm, right? So they, they kind of do the same thing, but they wing it. But digital marketing forces us to think through all of those issues. And Facebook forces us more so than a lot of other advertising medium. For example, on, uh, on, on Google ads, on search, people are searching, so they already have this mindset of what they're looking for. We just need to give them the answer. On Facebook, people do not go on Facebook to look for anything. People are on Facebook, they have certain characteristics, and they need to gradually engage them and gradually raise their level of commitment. This is really the name of the game with Facebook. And doing this right can get really, really uh, cheap deals. Doing it wrong might make somebody believe that, oh, Facebook doesn't work, right? And lots of people would say that, and somebody say, well, I'm in your industry, and it worked great for me, but there is more opportunity for me because you're not taking your time to figure it out or invest in it properly. Yeah, they're probably just doing it wrong. Yep. So you talked about how you're gonna have all these leads and you need to follow up with everybody. 
Yep. Do you use a specific type of CRM software to follow up with people? Uh, yes. So first of all, I would say there are lots of different CRM systems, right? So uh, technically, a lot of functionality is very similar between uh, between all of them, right? So I use one CRM for my own agency sales, and I use a different CRM that I recommend for most uh, real estate uh, real estate uh, related projects, which includes investors. So for real estate, right now, uh, the one of the top CRMs that I recommend is Lion Desk. Right. So uh, but you can use something else. Right. So it's mostly designed with agents and loan officers in mind. But anything that is real estate related, it lets you track the status of the deals. It just has a lot of real estate uh, functionality just built in. So I would recommend it for investors as well. Uh, and I would just say that the cost of CRM is nothing compared to everything else. Right. So uh, so, so so but but it takes uh, it takes. Uh, sort of practice uh, and culture to internalize it. You have to use the CRM, right? So, but on the other hand, when you integrate the CRM with lead capture correctly, the the lead is captured. It goes into CRM automatically. Uh, the user get texted right away. They get email right away. They get on sequences right away. It's all pre-built, right? If they respond right there, you can see it in the CRM. If you're using the CRM, you have it as a mobile app, you get notified right away. You can call them right away, right? By the time you're getting a, a big uh, stream of leads, right? You don't, you might not necessarily want to call them right away. You might want to hire an inside sales agent to call them and qualify them, right? Depending on how big your operation is. Uh, but typically, this is what happens once you really d dial in the process of getting cheap marketing qualified leads, you would not have time to call them all, right? You would want to outsource this task, but you don't have to start there, right? So so CRM and CRM is also where you're going to keep all the notes and all the calls, right? So, so, so this person, so I called them, got them on the phone. I talked about the issues they're facing. Here's the type of house they want. Here's their kind of requirements. Here's their time frame. Here's their uh, thinking on selling their house, right? So here's the things they need to know to move to the next step, right? So CRM becomes one place where you have all the notes. And as I talk, we're going to look at everything that we are doing and figure out how to re re revise ad copy. This means we're actually going to look at the notes in the CRM, look at the entirety of conversations we are having, right? So that we are not just trying to reconstruct it from our memory. It's written down there. We review it and say, you know what? We see time and again this particular type of issue comes up. Let's write an ad that's going to address to it directly in a positive way and get us people who already thinking about these issues in the way they want, in the way we want, right? So, so this is just one example of why CRM is important. So it's automation, scaling, but it's also the intelligence, intelligence and pipeline management, right? Because you have all those leads coming in, you need to know which ones should have the priority, right? You assign the priority in the CRM. Does CRM give you like automatic alerts? Like, hey, remember to follow this person in two weeks or so? Yep, yep. You can create tasks, right? You can create tasks with alerts. You can, you're going to have it in the mobile app. It's all there. That's the whole point of using CRM, right? Adopting CRM and using it correctly is key to your productivity. Because the whole point of investing in marketing so that you generate enough leads to keep your sales busy, right? Mm -hmm. To keep your, And once they're busy, you need to get real efficient with your time, right? Who are you spending your time on and who are you letting to kind of sit there 
to follow up later, maybe or have some some junior assistant, whatever, follow up with them, right? So so this is mm -hmm. critical, and CRM is a is is a critical tool for actually helping anybody doing any kind of sales, including investors, manage their time. Because at the end of the day, it comes down to your metrics, right? How many houses you buy per per month or per quarter or whatever, right? If you're a realtor, how many houses you buy or sell or whatever, how many listings, right? It really comes down to how much effort you need to put in to do a contract, to do a transaction, to do whatever. And you have to work backwards to your metrics and you have to work backwards to your use of time. And the CRM is a tool that helps you, but you have to use it correctly and you have to make a commitment to use it correctly, right? It's no good if you have a CRM and you don't use it. Do you want to talk a little about how chatbots work and how that can help your business? Uh, I'm glad you asked. I would actually step back a little bit and just ask the question this way. When somebody is on Facebook, how do we capture the information? How do we make them a lead, right? Actually, first, let's step back a bit more. How does somebody become a lead if you do direct mail, right? I, I, would, I would just laugh, right? You, you just mail something, right? And then somebody's going to call your number. And then you, first, you have to ask, what's your name? And maybe half of them or whatever, not even going to tell you their name, right? What's your address? You mailed me. Exactly, 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 right? So, so that's another point going back to traditional marketing methods. It's like you cannot capture the leads. I was also just posting on Facebook something, right? I'm going through the process of uh, getting a real estate license. And I just uh, have gone through the real estate practices course, right? And it has some sections on how you do marketing. And I was just really laughing, reading through the marketing section. I said, and they're basically giving a bunch of advice. When somebody calls your number, how do you deal with the objection of them not giving their name, right? And I'm just laughing because if you're doing online generation, you are capturing their name, right? But anyways, so three ways of lead capture. So one is a Facebook lead form, right? So what is a Facebook lead form? So you can capture somebody's contact information from Facebook, which is their Facebook contact information. So basically you have an ad and you create an ad with a lead form. They click the ad. The lead form comes up pre-populated with their Facebook name, Facebook email, Facebook phone number. They just hit submit and you get the lead. Those leads are really cheap because it's really easy to do. Anybody who has any kind of curiosity, they're going to click the form, it's pre-populated, submit, that's it, right? And then it goes into CRM, fire follow-up sequences and all that. Real easy, right? So you can also make those forms more sophisticated, ask all, all kind of questions, but you probably don't want. That just kind of makes them more expensive. You'd rather just collect them and, and ask them later on, right? So then you can capture the forms on a website, right? And those tend to be more expensive than Facebook native lead forms, but they tend to have higher intent, right? They are not pre-populated. The website doesn't look like Facebook. It's going to take longer to load. There could be some distractions there. Those are typically more expensive, but they could be appropriate. And the third one, that's a messenger bot. I would guess that most people who are listening to this podcast would not recognize a messenger bot if they would run into it on Facebook. Because they would just think they're chatting with somebody and it, unless the thing would say, hi, I'm a bot, right? They would not even think about it. Here's the bottom line. So Facebook has a Facebook Messenger, Facebook Messenger application, right? And the Messenger application can host uh, applications, which could be bots, right? So this means you can take a sales script. What, what do most sales scripts look like, right? You ask somebody a question, they give you an answer, and depending on the answer, you ask them the next question. 
which could be one question, another question, for example, are you looking to sell, yes or no, right? Yes, what type of property do you have, right? Or, or enter your address or something, because then we're gonna have the address, we're gonna be able to actually look up the property, right? Or let's say they say no, well, are you looking to refinance, right? Or something like this. So you can take a sales script and turn it into a structured conversation. What you can do with messenger bots is you can take the script, can take the structured conversation and turn it into Facebook Messenger. So you're running an ad. Do you know how much your home could be worth? We want to give you an instant valuation on your home, how much you would buy it for, right? And let's say, oh yeah, let's see, right? So they're gonna click the ad and instead of opening a Facebook form, instead of opening a website, it is going to open Facebook Messenger, right? It's gonna have the screen, it's gonna say, we are going to give you the home valuation, you need to hit get started, right? It's even less commitment than submit your contact information through the form, right? Just hit get started and you're in the messenger bot. Guess what? As soon as they hit get started, they show up in your Facebook page mailbox so you can message them manually. Uh, the bot can respond to their get started with great, enter your address. They type in the address. We take this address and let's say we pull the house valuation from Zillow and let's say if we are doing this bot for uh, for a listing, right? For for realtor doing a listing, we would just report this number, right? And say this is what I think I can sell your house for if I list it. But you really need to book uh, an appointment with me. We're gonna do a CMA, uh, comparative market market analysis, and I'll give you the specific answer for how much to sell your house. Let's say if you're an investor, you're gonna take this estimate and maybe take cut it by a certain percentage and say, we think we could buy your house and cash for this, right? You could just take his estimate, cut it, multiply it by something and say, this is what I'm willing to buy your house, even before you look at it, right? And then you're gonna look at it and just give a real number, right? So, right, now, now those type of opt-ins through Messenger, they are the cheapest, they're the stupidest cheap because it is such a low commitment. And even the people who, are, who hit get started button but do not enter the address, they in your page box, you can follow up with them and say, hey, why didn't you uh, respond, right? Or you can have a bot follow up in an hour and say, hey, why didn't you respond? And it could have a recovery message and it's gonna say, are you concerned about privacy? Your privacy is protected, blah, 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 something like this, right? So this is the power of the bots. Then let's say they have gone through this initial sequence. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't, whatever, right? Whether they, whether you converted them on the initial sales sequence, they're in your bot and you can send them a broadcast message next week. You can send them a market update. You can send them whatever, right? Uh, so you can keep continue communicating with them like, like with email, but not exactly. There are some important differences, right? So here's how bots are different from email. Let me ask you, what do you think is a typical average open rate on the regular typical mailing list? Email, I don't know, 10%? Yeah, it, it depends on what you're doing, right? So if you have a really, real high intent newsletter, 10%, 20% is possible. I was just talking to a loan officer today. I asked him this question. He said, for my mailings on law, on loans, he said 2% would be great, <laughs> open wow. rate, right? Because, because the more commercial message is, the more it being tuned out, right? Mm -hmm. Now, guess what is a typical open rate on uh, Facebook Messenger messages from the bots? 80%? 90%. 
Ninety percent. Right. Yeah. Because because it seems personal, right? People are trained to ignore email. They assume that email is garbage, right? Somebody is spamming them, but Facebook is not allowing people to spam in the messenger. Which brings us to the next question. You cannot spam people. There are some rules, very strict rules, but if you live within those rules, you can get the right message in front of the people, you can engage them in a sequence, and then you get another chance to sell them something. So this is a huge value of the messenger bots, right? So uh, I do not have any announcements yet on this podcast, but I have some really, really cool stuff happening around the messenger bots. And also I should mention, uh, mention I'm speaking at the chatbot conference in New York, closer to the end of May, this is May 22nd. So I will be talking about kind of uh, what we are doing with bots differently versus what most people are doing. But I guess we can leave it out of this podcast for now. We can have a follow-up later on. Yep. I was wondering, Facebook sounds really great. Is there something that Facebook doesn't do or you feel like it's lacking? You can always think of a wish list. I wish Facebook did this. I wish Facebook did not have this rule. Uh, The biggest issues with Facebook is how fast they change the rules, how fast the platform changes. And this also brings us to the uh, to the to the very important point, right? So I talk to a lot of people who say, "Oh, your Facebook is just you're just gonna throw out some ads and that's it, right?" And there are lots of people who learn doing Facebook certain way, and then things change and they don't know what to do after that, right? So I guess the biggest concern with Facebook is how much changes there. For example, there was this big privacy debacle last year with Cambridge Analytica. Right. So everybody heard about it. Right. So and this really put Facebook in a uh, in a kind of a paranoid mode and it started changing a lot of things, especially in their marketing platform. And overall trend, they started taking a lot of features, hiding them under the hood and letting you use them indirectly. Right. For example, it used to be possible to run ads directly to homeowners who own a home in this type of uh, value range or whatever, right? That was before Cambridge Analytica, right? And Facebook was getting this data from their third-party partners, right? But once they started looking at privacy, they said, you know what? We're just not going to allow this, right? So now when this happened, lots of people started freaking out. Oh, the world is over. Real estate marketing on Facebook is over. Oh, gee, oh, gee, oh, gee. Now, what really changed is the data is taken away uh, uh, explicitly, but it's still under the hood. This just means you need to craft the content that appeals to homeowner who own the property in this range, right? And once you get enough of them respond, revealing themselves, responding to the ad, Facebook is going to optimize for them behind the scene. So Facebook is becoming uh, less, here's the targeting elements we're going to target it, to how do we get into the brains of those people to put out the content that's going to connect with them so that we get more of them. That's that's really the name of the game on Facebook these days. What are some things that we haven't talked about? You really need to think of uh, investment in Facebook as a long-term investment, right? There are lots of people who work with Facebook. They're just going to dabble a little bit. I was just talking with someone and said, you know what, we wanted like a package where we spend a few hundred bucks. And I would and I would ask right away, so are you expecting to buy a sell a house from spending a hundred bucks on Facebook over a week, right? I and wish. right? And because people when they say what the expectations are, they come from a perspective, how much I'm willing to risk before I feel comfortable with what I need to do, right? But once I put it in these terms, they just realize how unrealistic this expectation is, right? So, so the question is how uh, somebody can get started with Facebook. There are really two ways. One is you're going to 
jump in and learn everything. Spend a lot of time, spend a lot of effort, right? It could be option for some people. It might not be option for some other people. And, and if you do this, you might be able to manage your investment carefully. But on the other hand, you're going to be making lots of mistakes. So another option, if you want to have somebody do it for you, you need to pull, you need to have a real business that is going to support appropriate investment and you need to have the right uh, long-term horizon of, of managing this investment. And you need to know, right? So because if you, if you, let's say you're a new investor, right? You have done, you haven't done any deals, right? Or maybe you've done one or two deals that you do not yet feel confident knowing what your deal is. You're probably going to be very, nervous about any kind of investment to get more of what you don't know how to close. But if, you have, but if you've done quite a few of those, you know exactly what you want, right? You have certain level of confidence and you understand what the metrics are on uh, how much it costs to, to buy a property through traditional marketing methods, right? Then it should be a logical decision for uh, why it makes sense to invest in Facebook advertising, right? But you still have to have this long-term outlook and you still need to have a plan to learn the specifics uh, relevant to your specific business, right? Because every, every, everyone does business in a certain, in a slightly different way, right? Everybody has certain slightly different emphasis, type of deals they want, type of, type of people they would buy houses for, their realtors type of houses they list, type of buyers they work for, right? So, so you really have to, you really have to understand this and have a plan to learn this and realize that you're gonna go, your marketing is gonna go on Facebook through several iterations as your metrics improve, as your sales scripts improve, and as you get your acquisition cost down, because by the time you have done this, the goal of Facebook advertising is to have a veil oiled marketing machine that you can just scale by throwing more money at it. This is really the name of the game with Facebook, right? The name of the game is figure out how to make work something on small scale. Once you do, then you start throwing more money and you 10x your business. Because lots of people expect to rely on referrals or your sphere of influence type of stuff, right? But the problem with sphere of influence, there is a limited number of people with whom we can actually maintain our relationships, right? That's a, that's a structure of the human brain. There is a psychological theory for this Dunbar number. It's about 150 people. We cannot really keep in touch with more than 150 people effectively, right? But the overall market out there, it is much bigger. And the question is, how do you break out of your sphere of influence and reach the whole market? And guess what? Everybody is on Facebook and Facebook knows everything there is to know about them and lets you reach them. So, so this, so this makes the kind of the overall case for, for why Facebook is an attractive investment for a real estate investor, but this also sets certain, uh, certain guidelines, how to think about it, right? Because this is not a short-term thing, right? If you just, if you just think, Hey, I'm just going to spend a hundred bucks because lots of people do that, right? Because it's very easy, right? Right. I mean, they need to see you add over and over and over again and then be like, okay, yeah, maybe I'm going to click on that one today. It's funny that you mentioned this. We haven't talked about retargeting at all, which is, which is kind of funny, right? Because when we are talking about general principles, we are not even going too much into the details because in my experience, we can talk about the details all we want, but if people do not understand how to think about advertising projects, how to plan for them, the tactics are not going to do much good to them. But anyway, so let me talk about retargeting. So one of the massive functionalities on Facebook is they call it audiences, custom audiences or audiences, right? So, uh, so, so here's what this means, right? 
audience is basically just a list of people, right? So just a list of people on Facebook, just like your email list, right? But the audience can be created multiple ways. You can take your emails or emails phone numbers, you can upload them into Facebook, and this will become an audience based on an email list, right? Facebook is going to match emails to users. Certain percentage of them match, certain percentage of them are active on Facebook, and you can advertise to them, right? This is one way. Second way, you can drop a pixel on your website. Just pixel, it's a piece of code. Everybody who visits your website, you tell Facebook they visited the website, then you can build the audience of that pixel, and then you can run the ad to them. Now, I, I see you are smiling because now you understand why you keep seeing the same ad over and over again, right? You visited some website, right? They, they, they pixeled you, and now you're going to keep seeing their ad for how long they put you in that audience for, right? Lots of people just do it by default, leave you there for 30 days, and that's how you get annoyed, right? But maybe you, maybe you should pixel certain audiences for seven days, not 30 days, or maybe for longer, whatever, right? So, so there are pixel audiences. Uh, there are a bunch of other audiences. For example, if you're putting out a video on Facebook, you can make an audience of people who watch the video. Let's say, for example, you're going to make a 15-minute video sales letter when you talk about how to invest and and you know and what to do about it and all the tips and tricks and whatever. Guess what? The people who actually gonna listen through all 15 minutes, they're really interested in what you're doing, right? That's right. Not first three seconds, not first 10 seconds. Maybe I don't know how about half on a 15-minute video. But people who watch the whole thing they actually have much higher intent than somebody who just clicked a form or somebody who just clicked to a website, right? And then you can retarget those people with a specific offer, right? So that's another example. Uh, but so essentially, there are all those ways to build the audiences. Once you have the audience on Facebook, you can run ad to this audience. Let's say your video is uh, let's say 15 minute VSL. How do I become a real estate investor? And you just explain in 15 minutes. And they go through this video, you get them on this audience, right? And now you start retargeting them saying, for a low fee of X, you can join my course on real estate investment. Yeah. Right? So, so you know that these people showed their intent. They showed their hand. Now on your list, now you give them a specific offer, right? And you would run this ad, right? And then once a month, you're going to drop your price by a certain percentage and say, if you sign up before this, Sunday night or whatever, you're going to get X off. And because they've seen your ad for a while, as soon as you give them this trigger, they're just going to go jump in and sign up like crazy, right? So I just, I just gave you a very, very short glimpse into the feature of the audiences, how it could be used, but there is a lot more. For example, you can take a list of people in a certain audience and you can build something called a lookalike, right? This means let's look at people on this list for all of those audiences I, I described, this means based on emails, based on pixel, based on video views, based on anything, you can pick an audience and you can ask Facebook, Facebook, look at this audience, look at the people who watched the video or converted on an offer or did something else, right? Now, rank all the people in the United States by how similar they are to the people in this audience, rank them, and then break them up by percentages. So in the United States, there is about 200-something million people on Facebook. So top 1% would be 2 million people in the, US, in the U.S. who are the most similar to the people you want. 
And then you can, you're already smiling, right? You like that, right? And then you can narrow them down by region or by whatever else. And then you can run a laser targeted acquisition ad to them. They are just like the people who I want, right? The trick here is with, with these lookalikes is, uh, well, in, uh, in computer science, there is a term garbage in, garbage out. So if you're putting in a bad data in, you're gonna get the bad data out. So this is really where the art of Facebook advertising comes in because they have taken out so much direct data elements you can target. You have to pretty much engineer the right kind of audiences based on the right kind of response that you are collecting, then you would build the lookalikes out of them. You would refine the audience, right? And to that audience, you might even run something different. I mean, there is a term for this also, uh, it's it's a little bit negative sounding, but sometimes it's used audience laundering, right? So you might get so you might get the original list of emails from somewhere, right? But the emails are not very good. They're not necessarily people who are gonna do the deal right now, right? Something like this. They're rear view mirror, right? And maybe not all of those people are really active on Facebook, but you could start with this email list, build the lookalike, run ads to them. But the people who are responding to ads, they are current, right? They are current based on the pixel, based on lead forms, based on the audiences, right? And then you're going to be specifically engineering the content where you're going to ask the question, if somebody watches this video, if somebody opts in for this offer, what must be going through their head? And do I want more people like this, right? So the real art of Facebook advertising is, uh, is really designing your customer journey, understanding the steps in the journey, where you can collect, collect the data, how do you use this data for retargeting, and how do you use it for acquisition with lookalikes, right? So when I, all the things I was talking about before, customer journey, you need to understand every step, you need to optimize every step. This is how you are do it. This is how you actually optimize a step. So you iterate on the content, and you iterate on the audiences, right? Uh, and now let's add to this that Facebook keeps changing. So you learn how to do it today, right? So you need to learn not just how to do it, you need to understand the principles because when Facebook changes something, they usually change specific features, but they usually keep the principles. So you need to know how to work around certain things, right? And this shows the power of Facebook, but on the other hand, the complexity of Facebook, right? So, so the question is really, what is the best way for somebody to take that power and bring it at their disposal, right? It's like, it's like, calling a, it's like rubbing a lamp and calling a genie, right? <laughs> you want it ideally to be like that, but it's not always quite like that. Well, thank you so much for dropping so much value on us and teaching us so much about Facebook advertisements. How can people get in contact with you and what services do you provide so that people can work with you in the future? I'm glad that you asked, Sean. You can go to targetchoice.com, just one word, targetchoice.com. Uh, there is a marketing blog that you can find. There is a contact information. You can look me up by name on Facebook. Just send me a message, uh, add me as a friend. I talked a little bit before about the mindset you need to be thinking about if you want to have Facebook advertising run directly on your behalf, right? So, so if you already are in business as investor, right? If you're not completely new, if you know what kind of deals you're looking for, if you already understand the cost of acquisition of the deals, right? So, uh, and you are willing to invest accordingly, reach out to me, we're gonna do our full presentation, we're gonna talk about the specifics, but just given how much it costs to acquire a deal, you're probably gonna like those numbers, right? Now, there are going to be some people who are just gonna say, oh, I don't wanna commit to something, I'm not sure if this is gonna be right for me. This is fine as well, 
Uh, I also want to hear from you if you're an investor and you're not sure you want to invest in services upfront, done for your services. Uh, we have, we're going to have another option for investors to work with us. Uh, we are launching our own internal deal sourcing property where we will be doing all of these early steps. We're going to be running our own properties, generating the leads, qualifying them, getting them in a contract. And then we'll be putting up those contracts for sale for the assignment, right? So if you uh, are open to working with wholesalers, just reach out to me, get me your contact information and give me an idea of what type of deals you're looking for because we are going to be generating those, right? So we're gonna, we're gonna see where we're gonna focus, but just reach out to me, I wanna talk to you. Uh, but I have to tell you that if, you, if you're gonna be buying deals from wholesalers, your acquisition cost is probably gonna be higher than if you are going to invest with us upfront. But it's really up to you. And even if you don't want to do business with me right now, still reach out, let's talk and let's find other opportunities. Because I'm pretty sure there are different people uh, listening to this podcast. There are investors, there are other people in real estate. We work with realtors, buyer leads, seller leads, uh, listings, right? So we work with lenders. We work with everybody in real estate. So if you have any kind of marketing question, just reach out, let's talk, let's see where we go from here. But if you are a serious investor, if you're already investing in marketing, if you understand how much it costs to acquire uh, a deal, it really should be a very, very easy decision to at least talk. And then once you see how we can work with you, hopefully we can help you with this as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for teaching us everything about Facebook advertising today. And I'm sure that anyone that contacts you will have a great time working with you and your team. It's a great pleasure. Thanks for having me, Sean. Here are some of the key takeaways I got from Dimitri. Before you start your campaign, think about your ideal client and what kind of journey they will take. Instead of cold calling or cold mailing people, create a way for people to opt into your offer by creating something that will be useful for them. For example, if you're targeting pre-foreclosure properties, create a small ebook that you can give to people if they fill out some information. Facebook is very powerful and you can target people who have similar characteristics as the people who have opted into other things you sent out as well. You can even have chatbots that can talk to your leads. And since they replied to a chatbot on Facebook, you can follow up with them directly afterwards. Most importantly, Facebook is a great way to market to people because you're able to tweak and optimize your campaign on the fly. I hope you learned a lot from this and there was still so much that we didn't cover. If anything was confusing or if you'd like to use the services, feel free to contact Dimitri at targetchoice.com. He'll be a great help. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It'll take less than a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at seanpanrealty at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-A-N-R-E-A-L-T-Y at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great day.